The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, October 3rd, 2022. Coming up this hour. And about face, the UK drops a plan to cut taxes for the highest earners. We are live in Europe with the latest. The fourth quarter begins following three straight quarters of losses for U.S. stocks. Credit Suisse shares hit a record low. And Tesla shares drop after missing third quarter delivery estimates. Rescue crews in Florida continue to search for people who decided to ride out Hurricane Ian, plus Brazil's president. Election is headed for a runoff vote. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. The Mets appear headed for a second place finish after getting swept in Atlanta. The Yankees lost wins for the Jets and Giants. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. In U.S. stock index, futures are mixed this morning. We are coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are down four points. Dow futures up 46, and NASDAQ futures down 58. Ten-year Treasury up 11.30 seconds, yield 3.78%, and the yield on the two-year, 4.19%. Nathan. Karen, we begin in the U.K., where there has been an about-face from the government. Prime Minister Liz Truss is dropping her controversial plan to cut taxes for the highest earners. Let's go to Birmingham, England, and get the latest with Bloomberg Daybreak Europe anchor Caroline Hepker. Good morning, Caroline. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. The Chancellor, Kwasi Kwarteng, has said that he has listened and is reversing the plan to scrap the top rate of tax in the UK, announced as part of a mini-budget 10 days ago, which prompted a market rout. The U-turn, despite the denial by the Prime Minister up until yesterday, was driven by Tory MPs unhappy with the policy as the Conservatives plunged in the polls. Sterling and UK gilts have reacted positively to the reversal and money markets have paired Bank of England rate hike bets. But it is a major embarrassment for Truss and Quarteng less than a month into office. The mood from MPs, including from Mike Wood, is still positive. Quarteng told media here in Birmingham at the party's annual conference that he's not considering resigning. Instead, he's focused on delivering growth. He gives his main conference speech at 4 p.m. UK time today. In Birmingham, I'm Caroline Hepke, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Caroline, thank you. And the pound has been strengthening on that news, checking sterling right now at 1.1204 against the dollar. Elsewhere in markets, today kicks off the start of the fourth quarter. U.S. stocks are coming up their third straight quarter of losses for the first time since 2009. For the NASDAQ 100, it's the longest losing streak in 20 years. David Bianco is chief investment officer at DWS Group. This is a bear market, so I think a key question is, Is this the beginning of a high inflationary period, or are we near the end of a high inflationary period? If you think we're near the end of a high inflationary period, the worst is largely behind, and the market shouldn't go too much further down, but that's the key question. 
DWS Chief Investment Officer David Bianco made the comments on Bloomberg's Wall Street Week. Catch the program every weekend on Bloomberg Radio and Television. Well, Karen, one of Wall Street's biggest bears is staying bearish. Morgan Stanley Chief U.S. Equity Strategist Mike Wilson says a Fed pivot is becoming likely as money supply falls, but he says that move won't allay concerns about earnings. Wilson sees an eventual low for the S&P 500 coming later this year or early next at the 3,000 to 3,400 point level. Well, Goldman Sachs is also staying bearish, Nathan, with a call that more stock selling will take place next year. Goldman strategists say households and foreigners could each sell U.S. stock valued at $100 billion in 2023. In corporate news this morning, Karen, we're watching shares of Credit Suisse hit a record low. Right now, they're down nearly 8.5%. A memo sent by CEO Ulrich Kerner is raising concerns over the health of the Swiss bank. We get more from Bloomberg's Charlie Wells in London. Corner basically said the bank's at a critical moment. He reiterated, you know, the importance of not confusing share price, which we've been hearing a lot about this morning, with performance and capital strength. And the reason why this generated so much attention was because it was the second straight memo that the CEO had to send um, on a Friday in two weeks. And it also, interestingly, over the weekend generated a lot of discussion on online pl- boards like Reddit and Twitter. Bloomberg's Charlie Wells says Credit Suisse is currently finalizing turnaround plans. Those will likely include sweeping changes to its investment bank and thousands of jobs over the coming years. Well, Nathan, shares of Tesla are down 4.7% in early trading. The company delivered a record number of vehicles in the last quarter, but the results still missed estimates. And we get more from Bloomberg's Denise Pellegrini. Tesla delivering more than 343,000 vehicles, about 4% fewer than expected, possibly on supply chain issues. The expenses to get customers' actual cars in their hands have been astronomical. Dan Ives, Managing Director at Wedbush. Tesla has started to balance that and basically be fine with ultimate deliveries that could push quarter to quarter. Ives says that means watch this quarter very closely. Elon Musk tweeting he hopes to smooth out end-of-quarter rushes for customers' sakes. Denise Pellegrini, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Denise, thank you. Oil is on the rise this morning. There are indications OPEC could slash production by more than a million barrels a day to revive plunging prices. The group meets this Wednesday in Vienna. Checking prices now, NYMEX crude's higher by 4.5% of $3.60 at 83.07 a barrel. Brent is up 4.3% at $88.77. Well, Nathan, the big economic event this week comes on Friday when the U.S. Labor Department issues its monthly payrolls report. Job growth likely continued in September, even as the overall economic outlook dimmed. We get more from Bloomberg's Minnie Del Judice. The Federal Reserve is lifting interest rates to tame inflation by applying the brakes to economic growth. Even so, U.S. jobless claims have been running near historic lows, and economists are forecasting employers hired about a quarter million workers in September. We'll get the data Friday. Looking ahead, the president of the Chicago Fed, Charles Evans, says it will take six months for the impact of higher interest rates to be felt in the labor market. Also on this week's data calendar, figures on job openings, which have been running at historic highs. Vinny Del Judice, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Vinny. Finally, we take stock of the damage from Hurricane Ian. It destroyed a countless number of homes and businesses in Florida, but skirted a key U.S. fertilizer production area. That means the broader U.S. economy was spared the worst case scenario. Still, Ian is set to be one of the top 10 costliest storms in the U.S. with estimates as high as $120 billion. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. 
It's now 507 on Wall Street. Rain, 50 degrees in Central Park. New Jersey Transit Services suspended on the North Jersey coastline. It's because of overhead wire problems. We'll get the details in traffic shortly. First, Michael Barr's here with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Awake for a murdered FDNY EMS lieutenant will take place today and tomorrow. Family, friends, and coworkers have been gathering to remember Allison Russo Elling. She was stabbed to death in an unprovoked attack in Astoria, Queens, last week. The wake for Russo Elling, who is 61, would take place in Comac. Police arrested 34-year-old Peter Zispolospolis, who has a history of mental illness. Search and rescue efforts are still underway in parts of Florida in the wake of Hurricane Ian. Over the weekend, responders took to the air, grabbing people from rooftops and evacuating Barrier Island residents by boat after Ian wiped away roads leading to the mainland. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said teams are conducting sweeps in areas hit hardest by the storm. There's more urban search and rescue teams in Florida now than in any one place in American history since September 11th. Meanwhile, President Biden will visit Puerto Rico hit hard by Hurricane Fiona. Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro fought his way to a runoff election against his leftist challenger, former President Luis Inacio Lula da Silva. Lula got 48%, while Bolsonaro received 43%. However, neither one got the simple majority needed for a victory. These college students say that they voted for Lula. I voted to Lula to Brazil be good in the future. Bolsonaro is opposed to democracy. The candidates will face each other in a high-stakes October 30th presidential runoff. It's a big defeat for Moscow and Ukraine. Last week, Russian President Vladimir Putin used a sham referendum to declare four areas of Ukraine as part of Russia. But one of those regions, Leman, almost immediately fell to Ukrainian forces. Meanwhile, Vladimir Putin is doomed to lose the war in Ukraine. That's from former CIA Director David Petraeus. The retired four-star general says Russia's army is, quote, shambolic. He announced the annexation. He's already lost a really critical uh, element in that, a critical city that would have been a very key supply hub had they been able to go farther. And that's just going to continue. He's going to continue to lose on the battlefield. Petraeus spoke on ABC's This Week, which can be heard Sundays on Bloomberg. Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson will make her debut as the Supreme Court's new term kicks off today. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanshower. Thanks, Nathan. Mets have been a first-place team virtually the entire season, but after a nightmare weekend in Atlanta, they're almost certainly going to finish second. Braves won again. Dansby Swanson home for the third straight game. X-Met Travis Darno a two-run single. Atlanta won 5-3 to sweep the series. The Braves lead by two and own the tiebreaker. A win for them tonight clinches the division. The Mets thought they'd be the NL's two seed. Instead, looks like the four and headed for a best-of-three wild-card series this weekend with San Diego or Philadelphia for the right to then face the Dodgers. All of the games in the wild-card series would be at City Field. At the stadium, Yankees had just four hits, lost to Baltimore 3-1. to one. Aaron Judge struck out three times. He'll try to surpass Roger Maris in Texas. Jets finished their four-game tour of the AFC North. Two losses, but also... Two thrilling wins. They had that one in Cleveland, and in Pittsburgh, they trailed 
Midway through the fourth quarter by 10 points. Zach Wilson, a touchdown pass to Corey Davis. And then after a Jets interception, a Steelers rookie QB, Kenny Pickett. Brees Hall scored with 16 seconds left. The Jets won 24-20. Giants and Bears at MetLife. Only two touchdowns scored all day, both by the same guy. Play fake. Jones is going to bootleg and roll left. He's going to run it again. Jones to the five. Jones dives in. Touchdown, Giants. Daniel Jones on a 12-yard run on an naked boot around the left side. His second rushing touchdown of the game, and the Giants have widened their lead to 13-6. WFN the call. Giants went on to win 20-12, though Jones left with an ankle injury, and his backup Tyrod Taylor left with a concussion. Giants' first three-in-one start since 2011. John Stash Howard, Bloomberg Sports, Nathan. Thanks, John. S&P futures down nine points right now. Dow futures up two points. NASDAQ futures lower by 78 points. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Rain today with a high near 60 degrees. Occasional rain tomorrow with highs near 60. The showers should end Wednesday. Low 60s for afternoon highs. Right now, showers in 50 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by SEI. Imagine your asset management firm's operational infrastructure as a competitive advantage. Let SEI show you how at SEIC.com slash IMS. Global stocks are falling to a two-year low, while U.S. stock index futures struggle for direction a bit amid concern hawkish policies by global central banks will spark a recession and earnings contraction. Pound rising as the U.K. withdrew a plan to abolish the top income tax rate. And Credit Suisse Group shares hitting record lows as traders continue to speculate about its future. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down five points, Dow futures higher up 36, and NASDAQ futures, they're falling down about 67. DAX in Germany is down 1.1%. Ten-year Treasury up 10.30 seconds, yield 3.78%. Yield on the two-year, 4.19%. NYMEX crude oil is up 4% at $3.21 at $82.70 a barrel. COMEX gold is down a tenth of a percent or $2.10 at $16.69.90 an ounce. The euro, 0.9795 against the dollar. British pound, 1.1201. And the yen, 145.09. And look at it, Bitcoin, down a third of a percent at $19,160. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. President Joe Biden will announce more than $60 million in funding to strengthen Puerto Rico's resilience to flooding when he visits the island to observe recovery efforts from the devastation left by Hurricane Fiona. The president and first lady will fly to Puerto Rico today. The Supreme Court begins a new term today. It will be day one for Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson. In the NFL, the Giants and Jets won. The Patriots, Commanders, and Ravens lost. The 49ers play the Rams tonight. In baseball, the Yankees lost to the Orioles 3-1. The Mets lost to the Braves 5-3. Atlanta swept the series and knocked the Mets out of the lead in the NL East. The Red Sox and Nationals lost. The A's and Giants won. Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. We're coming up to 520 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. As we get the fourth quarter started here, we are very pleased to be joined this morning by Lori Calvacina. 
head of U.S. equity strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Lori, it's great to speak with you as always. And uh, stock investors are looking for a winning quarter sometime this year. Haven't gotten one yet. Think they'll get one in the fourth? Uh, it would be nice. Uh, thanks for having me as always. And look, I think that we're at a very sort of pivotal moment for stocks. We've come down, we've test, retested the June lows. Um, it's interesting, as I talked to investors last week, I think there is some hope for a fourth quarter bounce back. Um, and we are certainly are starting to see that valuations are looking interesting again in the market. Um, but I do think that we should expect volatile conditions to endure for a bit longer. Where specifically are you seeing interesting valuations? Well, we see it in the broader market generally. If you look at where we closed on Friday against our EPS number for next year, we've actually gone down uh, right back in line with the long-term average. So we're at about 16.9 times. Long-term average is about 16.8. And when you dig down deeper and look within the S&P 500 and look specifically at the different sectors, I would tell you areas like financial still look very compelling on our work. Um, consumer discretionary is looking interesting. There are obviously fundamental challenges there. Energy stocks still look very compelling materials. And then when we step back from the sector, small caps are actually making a very strong valuation case right now. So we've actually put an overweight in place there. Is there still a concern that with uh, Fed tightening and central bank tightening more broadly around the world that that could eat into earnings? So it's interesting. If you look at the bottom-up consensus for earnings, the numbers are still, I think, around 241, 242. Um, if you're just sort of baking together what sell-side analysts are anticipating, and our number for next year is actually at 212. This year we're also below consensus at 218. I think the consensus is still around 226. So I think at this point it's really about the economic damage that's sparked by the Fed policies um, that the street is struggling to, to, to put in place. Um, we've already kind of baked that into our model at this point. And so we have earnings growth going nowhere for a couple of years. 211 was last year's number. I mean, we think it's going to end up being similar to the 2015-2016 periods where earnings just chop around for a while and don't really make any progress. Well, if earnings do stick to that forecast and we don't see much movement there, if we do get a bounce in the fourth quarter, is that just going to be a short-lived bounce, or where's the momentum, do you think? Well, you know, it's interesting. We went back and we, we put this note out um, over the weekend. We went back and looked at sort of prior periods of normalization coming out of the financial crisis, coming out of the tech bubble, really kind of the 0203 um, and 2010-2011 periods. And you did see some pretty vicious rallies and givebacks. Um so, you know, if we were to follow just the 2002 path, and actually there's been a 72% correlation between markets this year and markets back in 2002, um, we would see sort of a fierce 4Q rally, and then we would give a lot of it back in the first quarter and retest the lows again. We'll see if it plays out that way, but I would tell you one of the catalysts people have been looking for is the midterm elections. We do tend to see stocks bottom about a month before that event, and we're coming up right on that time horizon now. Interesting. What kind of catalyst could this week's jobs report be? What kind of catalyst could it be for the Fed? Um, you know, it's interesting with jobs. I think that markets are already pricing in a pretty big pickup in jobless claims if we think about the Thursday release. Um, and in terms of jobless claims, I'm not going to try to predict what how the Fed is going to react to any one given report. But I will tell you that when you think about uh, markets themselves and how they may react, we have historically seen that small caps tend to outperform large caps. Um, in the middle of recessions, once the unemployment rate starts to tick up, and that's just based on the idea that a lot of pain in the labor market is pre-baked into that part of the market. Um, and then when once sort of the deterioration is seen, uh, we can get some relief in the small cap stock. So we'll be looking for sort of the market reactions to whatever news comes out on Friday. Just about 30 seconds left here, Lori, but are you looking for a pivot from the Fed to slower interest rate hikes? If so, what would spark it? 
So I think that for any Fed pivot to come through, and they, they seem determined to convince the market that there isn't one coming, um, I think you'd have to see some clear deterioration or, or moderation in the inflation data. And I think that's what everyone's waited for. We continue to hear clients talk about that. And I would tell you, as I talk to investors, I don't think they've given up hope on that Fed pivot either. So great to speak with you, Lori. Thanks again for doing this. Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. equity strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Looking at the market this morning, sort of looking for direction here with NASDAQ futures leading declines after the uh, disappointing results from Tesla in terms of third quarter deliveries. NASDAQ futures are down a half percent right now, down 52 points. S&P futures a little changed and uh, Dow futures are higher by 82 points. The 10-year treasury is up 1130 seconds. Yield 3.78%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly cloudy for the most part today. We'll get up to near 60 degrees. Occasional rain tomorrow, breezy, high near 60. Showers end Wednesday. Right now, we're at uh, 50 degrees in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 99.1 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 530 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. We begin with an about-face out of the U.K. Prime Minister Liz Truss and her administration are dropping a controversial tax cut. Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng had come under fire for cutting taxes on the U.K.'s highest earners. Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden has details from the Tory party's conference in Birmingham. He said that the 45p rate cut was becoming a huge distraction from a set of strong policies. Of course, the government had also announced this massive energy bailout, so it was desperately trying to cling back to the political credit for that. He was asked what changed. He said, we listen to people, we get it. He was asked, has he considered resigning? He said, not at all. The Prime Minister had thrown him under a bus yesterday, blamed him for this top rate of tax cut. So the question now, is how much of the rest of the package can survive. Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden says the move may cool the political backlash, but there's still concern for markets and the pound. And checking sterling now, it's at 1.1201 against the dollar. Meantime, Karen, today kicks off the start of the fourth quarter for markets. U.S. stocks are coming off their third straight quarter of losses for the first time since 2009. LPL Financial's Quincy Crosby says there are still plenty of risks. We've seen the volatility index climb, the VIX, because there's more uncertainty. Uncertainty regarding how does the Fed actually bring us to price stability without, as the proverbial, breaking something. Also, you know, we're going into third quarter earnings season, and the questions are, what are those companies saying? Not only their bottom line, but their margins, but what's the guidance? Quincy Crosby with LPL Financial thinks stocks may go lower from here until they find a level that has discounted economic headwinds. 
Well, one of Wall Street's biggest bears, Nathan, is staying bearish. Morgan Stanley Chief U.S. Equity Strategist Mike Wilson said a Fed pivot is becoming likely as money supply falls. But still, that move won't allay concerns about earnings. He sees a bottom for the S&P 500 as low as 3,000. In banking news, Karen's shares of Credit Suisse are down nearly 7.5%. The Swiss bank's finalizing plans that will likely see sweeping changes and could include cutting thousands of jobs over a number of years. Oil on the rise this morning, Nathan. There are indications that OPEC Plus may slash production by more than a million barrels a day to revive plunging prices. The group meets Wednesday in Vienna and checking prices now. NYMEX crude oil is up about 4%. It's at $82.59 a barrel and Brent is at $88.32. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 533 on Wall Street, 49 degrees in Central Park. Still dealing with a service suspension on New Jersey Transit's North Jersey coastline. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Nathan, thank you, sir. A wake for a murdered FDNY EMS lieutenant will take place today and tomorrow. Family, friends, and coworkers have been gathering to remember Allison Russo Elling. She was stabbed to death in an unprovoked attack in Astoria, Queens, last week. The wake for Russo Elling, who is 61, will take place in Comac. Russo Elling's funeral is Wednesday in Brookville. Police arrested 34-year-old Peter Sisopoulos, who has a history of mental illness. More than a 1,000 search and rescue workers are performing operations across Florida, as some people remain stranded by Hurricane Ian. A 1,000 National Guard members were sent to Florida's barrier islands for more search and rescue efforts. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. You look at Fort Myers Beach and you see homes obliterated. You know, that was obliterated because you had almost a Cat 5 storm touch landfall there. Governor DeSantis says Ian was a 500-year event. It's a big defeat for Moscow and Ukraine. Last week, Russian leader Vladimir Putin used a sham referendum to declare four areas of Ukraine as part of Russia. But one of those regions almost immediately fell to Ukrainian forces. Over the weekend, the strategic city of Leman in Ukraine's northeast was taken back. Former CIA director David Petraeus says Russia's army is no match for Ukraine's, and Putin, at some point, is going to need to come to the negotiating table to end the war. No amount of... Shambolic mobilization, which is the only way to describe it, no amount of annexation, no amount of even veiled nuclear threats uh, can actually get him out of this particular situation. The retired four-star general spoke on ABC's This Week, which can be heard Sundays on Bloomberg. Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro fought his way through a runoff election against Luiz Ignacio Lula da Silva. Both fell short of the first-round win, which means there will be a runoff on October 30th. According to Brazil's electoral court, Lula took 48% to Bolsonaro's 43%. Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanchow. All right, Nathan. At one point this season, the Mets were in first place by ten and a half games, but the Braves kept winning, kept getting closer, and Atlanta just completed a three-game sweep, and it's the Braves who will almost certainly win the NL East. Their magic number is one. Mets did not get good starting pitching. Jacob DeGrom gave up three runs. Max Scherzer four. And last night, Chris Bassett 
Stake to a 3-1 lead after Matt Homers by Daniel Vogelback and Jeff McNeil. Couldn't finish the third inning. The Braves won 5-3. It's going to make for a tougher postseason road that would start with a best-of-three wild-card series this weekend at City Field. Yankees' last regular season home game, 3-1 loss to Baltimore. They close it out in Texas. Four games for Aaron Judge to try and hit home run number 62. Jets in Pittsburgh. First game for Zach Wilson. Back from the knee injury, and he was part of an early Jets score. Zach Wilson takes the shotgun snap. Jets sweep. It's a reverse. It'll be a throw from Berrios to Zach Wilson for the touchdown. Razzle-dazzle from the Jets. A reverse option pass. Berrios to Wilson. ESPN New York go. Jets were up 10, then down 10. They rallied, scored with 16 seconds left, beat the Steelers 24-20. to Only their second win in Pittsburgh in team history. Giants have their first 3-1 start since 2011. They won the Super Bowl that year. Beat the Bears at MetLife 20-12. Daniel Jones' two first-half TD runs were the only touchdowns of the game. Giants play this Sunday in London. We'll see who their QB will be. Jones hurt his ankle yesterday, and the backup, Tyrod Taylor, suffered a concussion. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Thank you. Thanks, John. It's 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Scott Carr. Rent increases are in effect now for the approximate 2 million living in New York City's rent-stabilized apartments. Those who renew their leases between now and September 30th of next year will be subject to increases of 3.25% for one-year leases and 5% for two-year leases. The city's rent guidelines board approved the increase back in June. New Jersey's Economic Development Authority says its Small Business Improvement Grant Program has awarded close to $13 million to more than 500 Garden State Enterprises since it launched in February. The funding comes from the state's Main Street Recovery Program, offering small businesses up to $50,000 for covering general operating costs. Despite rising rents, Hartford, Connecticut's been named one of the seven most affordable cities for multifamily investing by Crexy, an online commercial real estate marketplace. They say Hartford saw $97 million in deals in just the first half of this year. That's the Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Scott Carr. Thanks, Scott. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potus on 1010 Winds in New York. We're talking about how Manhattan now has more EV charging sites than gas stations. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KTRH in Houston. Shoppers should see big retail discounts ahead on excess merchandise. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WCCO in Minneapolis, I'm reporting that Target joins a list of companies with the majority of its leadership comprised of directors who are members of underrepresented groups. I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been reporting on the U-turn by the government over its plans to scrap the top rate of income tax. I'm Scott Carr on WDCH in Washington. I'm reporting a new Meditech accelerator is getting a big boost. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. Those disheartened by the election campaign run by Georgia Maloney may think that the best thing about Italy's incoming government will be its likely transience. Hers will be the country's 70th government since World War II. But it would be mistaken to conclude that Italian leaders don't matter. 
To the contrary, Europe needs a stable Italy, capable of tackling long festering economic and social problems. But if Maloney wants to achieve anything while in office, she'll have to abandon the retrograde rhetoric that characterized her campaign. The sooner she moves beyond provocations and focuses on delivering stable government and growth, the better her chances of staying relevant and in office. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Listen for Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures little changed. Dow futures up 77 points. NASDAQ futures are lower by 45 points, and the 10-year Treasury is up 11.30 seconds, yield 3.78%. We look ahead to the fourth quarter next with Charlotte Ryland, co-head of investments at CCLA Investment Management. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly cloudy, breezy, chance for some showers today with a high near 60 degrees. Occasional rain tomorrow, high near 60 once again. Showers end Wednesday, we'll get up to the low 60s, right now 49 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by SEI. Asset managers don't get results that are off the charts when their solutions are off the shelf. Learn how SEI's operating platform can turn infrastructure into a competitive advantage at SEIC.com slash tech. Global stocks falling to a two-year low, while U.S. stock index futures are struggling for direction. This comes amid concern hawkish policies by global central banks will spark a recession and earnings contraction. And the pound is rising as the U.K. withdrew a plan to abolish the top income tax rate. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures a little change. Dow futures up 60. NASDAQ futures down 52. The DAX in Germany is down nine-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 1230 seconds to 3.77%. The yield on the two-year 4.18%. Nymex crude oil is up 4%, up $3.21 at $82.71 a barrel. Comex gold down a quarter percent or $4.20 at $16.67.90 an ounce. The euro, 0.9758 against the dollar. British pound, 1.1176. And the yen, 145.15. Bitcoin is down half percent at $19,130. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Karen. He will be right-leaning Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro against his leftist challenger, Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva, in an October 30th runoff election. Yesterday, neither candidate got a simple majority to win in the first round. Svante Pabo is the Nobel Prize winner in physiology or medicine on human evolution research. In the NFL, the Giants and Jets won. The Patriots, Commanders, and Ravens lost. The 49ers play the Rams tonight. In baseball, the Yankees lost to the Orioles 3-1. The Mets lost to the Braves 5-3. Atlanta swept the series and knocked the Mets out of the lead in the NL East. 
The Red Sox and Nationals lost, the A's and Giants won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan? Okay, Michael, thanks. It's 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Let's bring in our next guest now. Charlotte Ryland is co-head of investments at CCLA Investment Management. Charlotte, it's great to speak with you on the first day of the fourth quarter as we wait for a winning quarter for stocks. Do you think this market is close to capitulation? Uh, well, I think it's going to completely depend on where we get to with the earnings season. And we've obviously had some sort of big high-profile profit warnings, FedEx, Nike coming through already. Um, and the market is is pretty worried about, you know, what the direction of earnings. So, I mean, if it comes through that actually companies hold up, then that could be the big surprise. But I'm afraid I'm probably not that confident that that's going to be the case. What makes you say that? Well, I mean, I think, you know, you've got um, a consumer which is clearly struggling with, with rising borrowing costs. You've got, um, you know, a lot of the impact of that is, is delayed. It takes a while to come through in, into numbers. Um, you know, clearly companies are struggling, whether it be in terms of currencies, whether it be in terms of, you know, raw material costs, which have moved up so high. Um, so I think I think it's going to continue to be quite a difficult situation. You're certainly going to see the consumer, particularly, uh, particularly in Europe, is, is, is going to be struggling. Are you looking for further earnings revisions to the downside then as we get closer to earnings season? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think uh, that's probably what we would expect. I mean, you know, if you look at sort of typical recessions, you've probably got, you know, 15, 20% that can come down from earnings. Whether this will be entirely that, I don't know, because you've clearly got positive pricing this time, even if volumes are weaker. So it might not be quite as severe as that. But I think, you know, certainly you having had quite an optimistic earnings picture uh, for most of the year, um, partly held up by the, you know, the oil companies, that's beginning to turn, and we'd expect that sort of continue off in, into the second half of the year. As we see markets continue to fall, what does that mean for central banks? Could we start to see the market push the Fed and other central banks toward that pivot that many investors have been looking for to at least slower interest rate hikes? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we can sort of look back for, you know, 2018 period and say, well, you know, central banks blinked and, and, and stood back from, from the, the tightening. But I think we're in a very different situation now. We're now in one where we've got uh, inflation still running at sort of 8% plus, um, you know, and we haven't really seen that begin to turn yet. So I think while that remains a problem, while we've still got very high wage growth and, and the unemployment picture being, you know, such a low unemployment, such a tight labour market, I think it's going to be very difficult for central banks to, to step away. I mean, clearly we saw the Bank of England step in last week when we're having uh, something of a crisis amongst some of the UK pension funds because of their hedging costs. So I think central banks will call markets if they have to, but are they going to reverse course? I, I'm not sure that they are. What's uh, the risk that central banks go too far then if uh employment does continue to stay at these uh, sort of high levels that we're seeing. Is there a risk of a policy mistake by the Fed? Um, yes, there is. I mean, I think, uh, you know, markets are sort of pricing in now sort of four or five percent as, as being sort of terminal rates uh, for, for, for interest rate hikes. I mean, certainly we've seen in, in past inflationary pictures, you know, rates much higher than that. So we're certainly not pricing that in yet. But, uh, you know, clearly the implications of that in terms of the consumer, in terms of companies, particularly those who've got more stretched balance sheets, those will be going to come through you know, somewhat later than the rate hikes. So I think that's definitely something we've got to keep watching. Got about 30 seconds left here. Do you see opportunity in this market, given the uh, bearish sentiment we've been seeing over the last several months here? 
Yeah, absolutely we do. I mean, I think, you know, you've seen a number of companies really pull back. I mean, things like, like Adobe, for example, you know, clearly there's some, some worries about that further acquisition, but we think that looks extremely cheap. Uh, and also some of the things within Europe, so it's like, like a Nestle Luxottica or Perno, for example. I mean, these aren't companies which are going to be particularly hit by, by the macro situation and, and looking good value to us. Thank you. Really appreciate you coming on with us this morning. Charlotte Ryland is co-head of investments at CCLA Investment Management. Karen. All right, Nathan, thank you. It is 5.53 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Law Report. It is brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. Now let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Food and Drug Administration plans to allow the importation of certain infant formula products at least through October of 2025. The National Labor Relations Board ruled that T-Mobile unlawfully disciplined a worker for sending a union-related email, but the board said employers do have the right to restrict the use of workers' email for non-work issues. A Pizza Hut franchisee facing a proposed class action in Illinois over the collection of employee biometric information has moved the state case to federal court. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thank you. Now another legal story we're watching. The new Supreme Court term starts today, and this week the court will hear an important case involving redistricting and the new districts being drawn around the country to govern the next decade's elections. This case involves Alabama's congressional maps drawn by the Republican legislature, which pack black voters into one of seven districts in the state. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to former United States Solicitor General Gregory Garr, a partner at Latham and Watkins. Merrill v. Milligan, Alabama's congressional map. About 27% of Alabama's residents are black, but there's only one majority black district out of seven in the state. So this is another election case, and the question in this case is vote dilution under the Voting Rights Act. And the allegation in this case is that the legislature has impermissibly diluted the black vote by splitting up black communities and drawing the congressional districts. And this is obviously an important and recurring issue in drawing districts across the country. And in some respects, it overlaps with the admissions cases and that, you know, all of these cases involve questions of how race can be used by government decision makers. And the Voting Rights Act is an area that this court has been you know, fairly active in going back the past decade. And with the newly constituted court, there are a number of recent justices who've come onto the court before the last big voting rights case. This is an opportunity for the court to reexamine its precedents in this area and consider the proper role of race in adjudicating a vote dilution case under the Voting Rights Act. So in February, the court in a 5-4 to four vote put a hold on the lower court's order, which had required Alabama to redraw its map. And in her dissent, Justice Kagan said that accepting Alabama's contentions would rewrite decades of this court's precedent about the Voting Rights Act. I mean, if they did that, that wouldn't be particularly surprising considering what they've done to the Voting Rights Act even before the addition of the three Trump appointees. 
I mean, that's certainly true if you go back to the Shelby County case. It was one of the more contentious cases that the court has heard and decided in the last 10 years or so. And these are, you know, very divisive cases in which justices have strongly held views. So it won't be surprising if there are two different camps on this issue as to how the case comes out and, you know, what that means for the Section 2 doctrine going forward. We'll just have to wait and see. And that's former United States Solicitor General Gregory Garr speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLaw Go. Futures this morning, S&P futures anyway, are little change. Dow futures are higher, up 78 points. And NASDAQ futures lower, down 38. The 10-year Treasury up 11.30 seconds, yield 3.78%. The yield on the two-year, 4.19%. And the British pound, 1.1184 against the dollar. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th. A thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.